Welcome to episode 73 of From the Shed End podcast with myself, T-Dot, as always. Theo, how are you doing? How's things? Not bad. We were just saying the last time we recorded together, we called the episode Unbeaten Potter. And since then, <laughs> it's been a bit doom and gloom in all honesty. But, um, but I'm looking forward to the World Cup next week. I'm really looking forward to some international football and the break from club football in all honesty. I think it's much needed for us as Chelsea fans right now, but I'm um, looking forward to the weekend too. And otherwise I'm not doing too bad. How about yourself? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Obviously the bubble has burst with Graham Potter, so we'll get into that shortly. But yeah, not bad. You know, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's game. Um, like yourself, and I'm looking forward to the World Cup now as well. Uh, I wasn't before, I'll be honest. Uh, I think up until maybe last week, week before when the, 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 uh, the squad started to get announced, I wasn't really looking forward to it because I just think it's so weird that it's in the middle of winter, over here anyway um and yeah it just seems odd you know but we've got into the spirit we've not, we, obviously we, again we'll talk about england later um we know the squads um but yeah apart from that i'm good it's friday what can i say um before we get into it though anyone who is listening to this on audio or on youtube make sure you subscribe to the youtube channel and also hit the link tree link in the description as well it takes all the previous podcast episodes and also the social accounts as well but i want to start all the way back from last sunday Early kickoff, London derby, a game that we really, and I did say, I think I said Brighton was a must win. Arsenal was definitely a must win. Tomorrow is a must win, but Arsenal for bragging rights was a must win. Um, give me your thoughts on Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, what went wrong, what didn't we do? I thought it was probably one of the worst Chelsea performances I've seen in a very long time. Uh, I felt like Arsenal always looked like they were more likely to score than us. Our front three of Sterling, Aubameyang and Havertz never really got into the right places or right spaces or they never looked like they could give each other the support they needed either. Mm. I felt like maybe, I mean, honestly, I'm not going to make this up. When Arsenal scored, I thought, OK, this could be good for us. It could actually wake us up now, create a bit of sense of urgency. We could actually maybe now wake up and try to get an equaliser and hopefully a winner in the next 20, 30 minutes. But in all honesty, it did the opposite. We looked so lacklustre after they scored. There was no reaction to that. There was no fight for some of the players, no urgency as well. I thought we weren't winning those loose balls. Um, it was just really overall poor performance. I felt like Aubameyang, I think he totally touched the ball it seven times, eight times. Eight. And I want to say that he goes to the game, but as well, he didn't get the support. You look at Havertz, how poor sometimes he is when he's on the ball or on the wing to you know get that ball into the right space and find the right player. And I think the goal just summed up how poor we were on the day. It was calamity of mistakes defensively. I don't know what Cucurello was doing, who he was marking or how he just let the ball go and go in between him and the keeper. I think Mendy as well. He needs to be claiming those type of balls. And then again, no one was marking um, Gabriel, um, the goal scorer. So I think defensively it was very poor for uh, to, to concede that goal, especially from a corner. And offensively as well, I thought we never looked like we were going to score. And like you said, it's one of those games I just hate to lose. All my mates are Arsenal fans, bragging rights. You know, the group chats pop off, uh, pop off after these type of games. And Arsenal as well, they really, they're really starting to actually cement themselves as one of those teams now that could potentially do it. You look at Leicester in 2016, they, they just did their thing and they let other teams make the mistakes and they capitalised. So fair play to them. But, but yeah, really disappointed. Yeah, I was definitely the same. I think, you know, it was um, going into the game with a bit of optimism. I thought, you know, obviously the Brighton game in the Premier League before that and then the, the Zagreb game gave me a bit of confidence going into it with, 
Uh, I mean, the, the Zagreb game wasn't the best, you know, we didn't play perfect football, but it gave me something to go on and thought right, we're going to be able to at least attempt to go into that game with a bit of purpose. And I think what was like, what was clear as everything to see was just, just no fight from any of these players. None of the, none of the players on the pitch um, looked up for the game. And to say, to say that in a London derby, you know, with the history between the two clubs as well, it just, it just seemed too easy for Arsenal. You know, it was like, I think I, I can't remember if I said it to you or someone else, but it was like a warm knife going through butter in midfield. It was just so easy for Arsenal to get through. <laughs> there was just no one to, to tackle or challenge them. And, you know, I think I said in the review that, you know, I feel like we don't have a, you know, a John Terry who in the pitch, on the pitch, you know, would be screaming in some of these defenders' faces into some of these players at halftime, getting into the plays and giving them, you know, letting them know the importance of what the London derby means and, and just bragging rights over Arsenal. But I think defensively we were poor. I think defense, well, mm-hmm. all over, but more so defensively. I think, you know, the, the goal, Kukurel, you know, almost hugging Xhaka, I think it is, for the goal. It's, I mean, it's just a catalogue of areas. I don't want to pinpoint him, but I, I do think based on how we played against Brighton, how we played against Arsenal and how we played against um, Manchester City in the Carabao Cup as well, you know, and again, we'll get on to Graham Park shortly, but there's a lot that seems to not be clicking at the squad at the moment. And whether that's just, you know, you have that honeymoon period with the new manager, new manager comes in, you get, I mean, obviously he went eight, eight, nine games unbeaten before the defeat to Brighton. So you get to see the honeymoon period and now, we're, you know, that's over. We're actually getting to see what needs to be done. But um, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to dwell too long on Arsenal because it was obviously last weekend and obviously I've got over it. I've, I've taken time to heal over that, but I want to want to move over to Manchester City, which was our midweek game, Carabao Cup. I said in the preview that this was probably our only real realistic chance of some silverware. Yes, we're in the Champions League and the FA Cup is still there to play for, but I just think when you look at the teams, you look at Man City who put out weakened teams, Liverpool do the same. You know, a lot of teams, apart from United, who put out quite a strong squad yesterday, but a lot of the teams put out weakened teams. This was probably our opportunity to get some, some silverware. Um, I was surprised at the formation. I was surprised at the lineup. I thought Lewis Hall was a, a surprise, um, which we'll get onto, but and Zacharia as well. But what was your initial thoughts on the game going into that as well? Obviously, the back of a defeat to Arsenal, and then um, knowing that Pep was going to rest a lot of you know Harlands, Foden, De Bruyne, uh, Bernardo didn't start as well. Cal- Calvin Phillips was on the bench. But what was your thoughts going into it when you saw the lineup and go into that game? I think similarly to you, you kind of look at the League Cup and you kind of think maybe that's our own one realistic chance of getting some, some some silverware this season. At the same time, I think if we were to have won that, that would have been a midweek game, I think between the two fixtures in December, if I'm not mistaken, or I think sometime in January. So it'd have been another midweek game to, to have to focus on. But that being said, you still want to win these type of games. But it also shows how strong City are to be able to feel that good of a team. And it's arguably their B team in a way. And um, I thought, obviously, I did want to win it. But when we lost, I was obviously a lot less upset than the defeat against Brighton and Arsenal because I think top four needs to be our priority now this season. In terms of the performance, I thought it was a lot more reassuring than the performance against Arsenal and Brighton. It felt like we actually were looking to create chances. We did actually get players in the right positions to score, but unfortunately, they just didn't really have their shooting boots that day. Um and the player you mentioned, Lewis Hall, I thought he was fantastic. He was absolutely fantastic. He was probably our man of the match for us. Um, he was always picking the right pass, driving the ball up the pitch. It always looked like he wanted to do something when he got the ball. I think he hasn't played since he made um, 
a start in against Chesterfield in the FA Cup last season, which was again a very good performance um, from him. And you kind of expected him to come in a bit more last season, particularly with the injuries to um, Ben Chilwell and um, Rhys James. And that time we were looking to bring in a Luca Digne. We recalled Kennedy. I was kind of thinking, why are we not looking at Lewis Hall? And I think Graham Potter, maybe being English, might look at him and think, you know, he's the next youth player that he wants to kind of slowly integrate into the first team. Um, so, yeah, very unlucky not to score as well. Two golden chances, but fair play to their keeper, Ortega. I thought, you know, he was probably the man of the match for the whole game. Um, Pulisic as well, a couple chances. Yeah, just one of, a bit of a frustrating player at the moment, but getting himself in the right positions. And I feel like he did drive the ball up the pitch, but again, one that you'd expect maybe to be able to put the ball on the plate for a Armando Broja or a Hakim Ziyech, but just things didn't really click for us. And again, we were second best, I felt, I felt on the day. City were the better team. Um, Mendy as well. A good yeah. game and a bad game at the same time. I mean, obviously, you were, you were at the Etihad. We should, we should mention that. I don't know what the Chelsea fans' reaction was when, when Mendy made that mistake early on, um, failing to clear his lines. But he slightly redeemed himself with a couple of good saves afterwards, in all fairness. And then the two goals as well. Pulisic losing the ball for the second one. Koulibaly not jumping in the wall for the, for the first goal, which I felt was a very savable free kick from the defenders in the wall at least because it wasn't didn't have that much height or dip mm. so it's frustrating again you know like you mentioned the Arsenal game poor defensively and it felt like it was the same against City so so yeah second best on the day but you know it's the League Cup you can only City arguably a very good team but it's still very frustrating so that could have been a chance for us to get um get quite far in a in a cup competition this season yeah, yeah, it was it was it was a difficult one to to take because I think especially in the first half I thought we were the better team. If I'm honest, I thought we we had those chances. Um, I I agree. You know, Lewis Hall was was immense, but just Ruben Loftus Ruben Loftus Cheek as well. Both channels were being worked really well. There was a lot of space for Ruben Loftus Cheek. I think on the right side to run into, and same with Lewis Hall. Um, I do want to credit obviously Man City. I thought Rico Lewis played really well for them. Cole Palmer as well, but. Um, I think it was, I can't remember who it was on the, the left side, uh, Sergio Gomez for, for them as well, had a, a really good game uh, defensively. But I think, it's again, there's more of the same. You know, I thought Lewis Hall, uh, you know, he, he, don't want to bash him too hard, but those two chances, he's got to take them. Uh, the, the first one, he does the hard part and he doesn't do the easy part, which is just to either lift it over the keeper or put it towards the right. I think he goes for the left. Um and, and the second one as well, just not enough power. I think if he just puts his foot through that, it's, it's a goal. So those things you can, you know, you can excuse, you know, it's a, it's a massive mm-hmm. game for him, still a proud moment, you know, to be playing at that level, you know, the age that he is um, and being considered as part of the senior squad almost now as well. So I think we'll, there's a lot to, you know, we'll see from him in the future, 100%, especially more so um, after the World Cup, hopefully permitting injuries as well. So I think, we were the better team. I just think we didn't take our chances. You know, Pulisic had some really good chances, um, especially in the first half, you know, again, running towards goal, made um, Ortega make a brilliant save. But, you know, best and worst of Pulisic, because that was the best part, but then to lose the ball um, the way that we did and then to to let to let them through and score, um, Alvarez to score was just, it was just comical. Um, Chalabov for the free kick, could he stand him up a little bit more? I think he could. I don't think he needs to lunge in. I think it was Chalabal that mm, lunged in. Made the foul, yeah. And I don't know if he needs to do that. Just stand him up. Just stand him up. Make yourself look a bit big um, and, and do something. But, you know, I get it. A bit of a panic change. Um, free kick. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, obviously I was at the other ends, but I had direct view of it. And I said, you know, this is going to be a goal. Mares 
on on those sort of free kicks. He just needs just a little bit of up and down, a little dip, and it goes in. I felt the wall was really, whether it was Mendy or it was the wall, one of it just didn't look right from where I was. Mm-hmm. The, the angle that Mendy, he couldn't see the ball. He wouldn't have been able to see that ball until it was in the back of the net. So it just, again, you know, best and worst of Mendy because he pulled off some really good saves and I think he kept it at 2-0 to be honest it could have been a lot a lot more in the second half when the subs were, were made for Man City but again he had brain fog in the first half I, I just don't understand what goes through his head when he gets that ball and he, he's got plenty of time on the ball he's got two defenders either side of him he's got enough time to clear that ball and he dwells on the ball got a Man City player coming towards you and you're still whether it's just anxiety I don't know but he needs to work a part of his game if he's going to re- try and retain, um, you know, number one spot in between the sticks. But yeah, it was just more of the same, you know, and in, in hindsight, this is probably a good thing if we want to try and get top four to get out of um, this rut that we're in as well. We don't want to play additional games as much as it's silver at the end of it, but our priorities this season have to be top four, has to be slightly different. Um, and I think if we win other competitions, very much like last season, you know, you know, we got into the top four, not a problem. But you know, you look, you saw at the end of it, the injuries to Kovacic. I think, and um, he played through an injury for the FA Cup, I think, or the League mm. Cup, one of the two. Yeah. We still had those injuries at the end of the season. So, you know, this is going to be one of those seasons where if we can drop a few games, if it means, you know, not having the trophy at the end for the compensation of actually having a full, fully fit squad at the end of the season, it's one of those things we're going to have to do this year. 100%. And yeah, sure. I'm, I agree. Lewis Hall needs to be scoring those chances, but he is forgiven given his age. And it's only his second professional appearance for Chelsea. But at least he's getting in those positions. When yeah. Cucurella's played left wing back, have you seen him get into that position? No. And regarding no. Mendy, oh, it's just, that, just clear your lines. He's made that mistake, I think, twice now against West Ham, which led to a goal or a penalty against Leeds at the start of this season. Just clear your lines. Like surely it takes two or three mistakes to realise I'm not good with my feet. Just clear it. But like you said, I think he had brain fog, but we saw the best and worst of him because he did pull off some big, big saves as well at the same time. Same with Pulisic, but I agree it's just small little lapses in concentration from some of our players that can lead to these goals. And it seems like we just don't have our shooting boots on at the moment. I actually did re- I was just going to quickly say, I read a statistic. It was... Um, that Chelsea, only five clubs have five fewer shots in the league than Chelsea. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. That doesn't. We, I mean, even in the second half, again, it was back to the basics of not having anyone in the box. You know, I was just, just about to mention some of the subs that came on. Brojar, Sterling, uh, Kai Havertz, I think, came on at one point. The only player that actually made a difference for me, uh, or two, was Aspilicueta in defence and uh, Mason Mount, who was the one that was pressing he was pressing everything, you know, and, and trying to, re, you know, recover the ball. But the others, I mean, Sterling didn't really do much. Havertz didn't really do much. Gallagher, I think, came on as well. Didn't really do much. So I, I do think it was, in, in hindsight, we'll look back and say, if we make top four, this is probably the right decision to go out the, the, the competition the way that we have. I never want to say that because you want to win as much trophies as possible in a season. But this season's a, a totally, you know, anomaly for us. You know, we, we are in a, a period of, transition and progress and rebuild and whatever else so I think this is probably the best thing for us to come out of the competition and focus on trying to get top four but I want to talk about Graham Potter because after the game after after the Arsenal game I I definitely realised some of our fan base is a bit crazy (laughs) to say the least but um, I want to talk about Graham Potter because obviously we are in a transitional period there's a lot of progress being made 
um, trying to get whatever Graham Potter is trying to do with the squad, trying to install it into these players. And there's a lot of things we have to consider. Obviously, this is not his squad. He hasn't signed anyone. He's inherited this team, but it's still a good team. And I think that's the only thing that worries me is we've still got some players. I mean, you look at Silva, you look at, you know, Reese James when he's fit, Chilwell when he's fit, Kepa, Mendy, Kovacic. They're not, you know, I said on one of the previews, we're not we're not Warsaw Football Club. We're not crew eggs. You know, we're a, t- a top team. Um, and we're not doing the basics at the moment. But that wasn't my question. My question is, how long in this process are you going to give Graham Potter? Because you look at Arteta, people are, you know, comparing Graham Potter to Arteta, Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, who all didn't get it right straight away. They had to, you know, build... You know, Pep had, what, three right-backs before he got the right one and two goalkeepers before he got the right one. And the same with Liverpool's model as well. Arteta's slowly getting there. If they win something this season, you can say they've had a good season. But to say Potter out <laughs> after two months and an owner that's only been in, in charge three, three months, if that, at the club, um, is very reactionary. But I do get where some of these fans are coming from because we're not seeing the basics being done. You know, it's the way, and I keep saying, it's the way that we're losing that worries me, not the fact that we're losing games. It's the, the way we lose them. So what's your thoughts on the whole, you know, trust the process and the projects that uh, Graham Potter is hopefully going to get the time to do and deliver? I think we have to remember in the summer, we all said our aim is to get top four and maybe we might even be lucky to get top four. And I think that's still the expectation at the moment, whether that was Tuchel going into the season or whether it was Graham Potter. I feel a lot of the teams around us have strengthened a lot more than us, arguably. And like you said, the likes of Guardiola, Klopp, Arteta have been given plenty of time to build the squad that they've currently got. I remember Guardiola and Klopp's first seasons, they look nowhere near to the level that they, they've achieved now with those teams. Mm. And oh, there's fans just saying Potter out after Arsenal or the Brighton games. It's just so reactionary. I think it's they're almost spoiled fans that just expect us to win every single game, win challenge for the league, win the Champions League, we'll get to the FA Cup finals and so on. And let's be honest, that's no longer the case. We're not that type of team anymore. And like I said, it's mainly because the teams around us have gotten so much more better and it's more competitive as the league. And that's why I use Twitter so sporadically at the moment, because it just frustrates me when I see these type of reactions. But then again, I do agree. I do agree that sometimes we need to see a bit more urgency. All those words I use for the kind of way we played against Arsenal, there was no urgency, there was no reaction, there was no fight, there was no desire, there was no JT to be there to kind of really push the players. It felt like we were lacking a bit of leadership or just drive on the pitch. And I don't know if Potter can try to do that. I do think he's a very good manager. But at the same time, I think he also needs to be a bit more harsh with these players because every after all these games that we've lost recently, saying that the, bo- the boys have given it, give it, given it their all, I'm really proud of them. They couldn't have done more. I'm kind of thinking they could have done a lot, lot more, yeah. a lot, lot more. So I'm not really liking those type of wishy-washy answers he gives in post-match mm-hmm. in, um, reactions or interviews. Um, but no, I think we need to give him time. We need to give him a transfer window as well. I'm not saying the solution to this is to splash out in a transfer window and buy another £150 million worth of players because, I, like you said, we've got a very good squad currently. And I think it's more down to the players to start to look at themselves in the mirror and think, I'm being paid this much at Chelsea. I really love this club. I, I want to love this club. Um, and I want to give it my all because what I'm hearing now is some of the, the likes of Mendy and Kovacic are unsettled and they want to leave. If they want to leave, let it be, let them leave. Because we just want players that are committed to Chelsea and will give it 100% for the badge. And I do kind of understand some Chelsea fans saying they feel a bit disconnected from the club. And that was me this summer. I felt very disconnected from Chelsea, purely based on the players we were being linked to, 
the kind of way negotiations were going with Todd Bowley and Tuchel, clearly not seeing eye to eye as well. So I can kind of get that aspect, but I kind of think we need to just, rather than just be trigger happy of managers like we've been known as in the past, we just need to back one, trust them and build the squad around him. And I think we're slowly getting to that point where the Azpilicuetas, the Thiago Silvers, the Obama Yangs aren't going to be around for much longer. And we need to start to build a new core. And I think that starts in midfield and we need to kind of free up some space in midfield. I think the likes of Kovacic, Jorginho and Kante, they've got maybe max a year left in them each um, or two years potentially. And I think that's free some space for the likes of Carney, Chukaweka. And I think I said that right. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I'll get there at the end of the season. I'll, I'll, nail, I'll nail it. Um, or maybe, uh, you know, one of these Carney. rises. Carney. I'll just, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll always attempt it. I always feel brave and attempt it. Um, or maybe we go for a Jude Bellingham or Declan Rice, potentially, even though he's not my first choice anymore. But I think it needs to, the rebuild needs to start in midfield for sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think we're slowly seeing signs, especially from the top down in terms of own, the owner. You know, I'll go back to the whole Ross Barkley situation and not being, um, allowing him to sort of dictate his his contract. It was, you know, you're not playing for us. You're no longer needed at the club. Here's your money. Your contract's been terminated. There you go. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think, you know, tying players down to lengthy contracts and then re- renegotiating very early on to renew those contracts, I think is going to be a new thing for us. You know, the likes of Christensen holding the club almost to ransom, Rudiger doing the same, you know, the ball's in their court. I don't think we're going to see that going forward with Todd Bowley. I think it'd be the other way around. You know, if Todd wants you to be there, you know, the manager of Graham Paul or whoever wants you to be there, there'll be negotiations a year, maybe two into that contract mm-hmm. to extend, as opposed to leaving it till, you know, six months and you know, the, now the power's moved from the owner, the club, the hierarchy to the player because the player's the one that's got the power. We won't see that. And I think, I, I do think Graham Potter's got, I, I've given two windows, two summer windows. I mm-hmm. think yeah. I think you're not going to get all these players out and players in, in a summer window. And But in between those two windows, I need to see some progress. I need to see something that says, right, this is the guy that can deliver this six-year project or whatever you know he needs to be able to do that but we're not seeing that at the moment and that's that's why my frustration with Graham Potter is not that he's not the man for the job I'm just not seeing anything to tell me that he is the man for the job either so I think give him two summer windows re you know like you just said the midfield needs you know a whole new makeup you know uh, facelift whatever they call it you know it needs everything doing to it um striking areas you know attacking department needs that as well and like you just said about Thiago Silva you know 39 next year you know he might get one more year out of him but you do need to start thinking about you know replacements for him as well so um I, I'm trusting the process until I can clearly no longer trust it he's got two summer windows I think that's long enough to see progress not saying win the league I'm not saying win the Champions League, but I need to see some sustainability and progress in terms of what Graham Potter is trying to install. And I think we can only give him a fair uh, review or fair, fair crack of the whip until he's actually brought those players in that he actually wants to bring in. And I don't think we can go against that at the moment. Yeah, completely agree. I just echo everything he says and we have to trust it. I'll give him two tr- summer transfer windows too. And um, like he said, midfield needs a whole new revamp and I think it's looking more and more likely we're going to get Nkunku up front yeah, yeah. so he could be potentially the person who finally finds his shooting boots and gets his goals even though we've been saying that about every single striker we've brought in <laughs> since Diego Costa 
But um, I think only time will tell. But um, I definitely feel like we need to give him more than this season to start kind of forming our opinions and just finding out whether we can trust this process or not. And and, and this is one of the problems, I think, as well, is that, um, you know, we've been covering over the cracks for years and now we're, we're, we're paying the cost for it. You know, you think how many players you've brought or we've allowed to run down their contracts. You know, you look at City, you look at Liverpool. You know, they, well, maybe not Liverpool's a bad example at the moment, but in the past, they've always brought in players to replace players that they know will either move on or just isn't good enough to start every game. And we need to get into that. I think we'll get there. I think we'll get into that. Well, I'm hoping we'll get there where we get to the habit of, you know, Thiago Silva's 30 and we need to bring someone in just before he goes. You know, maybe that's Koulibaly this season. I don't know where you bring someone else in just to take over, pass the baton over to him and vice versa and keep doing that throughout the, the, the squad. But we'll have to see. Trust the process is what I'm being told. That's what I'm going to do for the next two years. Um, see how Potter gets on. But let's move it over to the World Cup because Gray, uh, Graham, Gareth, <laughs> get the names wrong. Gareth Southgate announced his squad yesterday um, with three Chelsea players involved, which is Raheem Sterling. Conor Gallagher and Mason Mount, who are all in the squad, um, the, the 26-man squad for England's World Cup in Qatar. What's your thoughts on Conor Gallagher, first of all? Because I was actually surprised to see his name amongst the squad, if I'm honest. And not in, because I don't want him to go, but just he hasn't really played that much football for Chelsea. And I just didn't, I don't know, I just didn't think he'd be in the squad. Yeah, I'm actually just looking at that picture now you you, you put up. They all, they all look miserable. All three England players <laughs> look miserable. <laughs> I didn't pick the right pictures when I put that post up. But, um, but no, they. Um, I think I was surprised too. Very surprised to see Gallagher uh, being called up. Um, maybe he wanted just an extra body in midfield or in that kind of creative midfield role. Um, but I do agree he's played a limited amount of minutes for Chelsea. Even for England, he kind of lacks that big tournament experience or even England experience as a whole. He's only got a small handful of England um, call-ups to his name but um, I think maybe he I don't expect him to feature in every single game he might come off the bench in the odd group game once we've already secured quali- qualification potentially but um, yeah I think he, if you base it maybe on form has he shown enough this season to be to have to call, call up my Chelsea my love for Chelsea wants to say yes but I'm completely honest he probably hasn't so mm. That's my opinion. But whereas the other two mountains, Sterling, are clearly two big favourites of Gareth Southgate. And based on the amount of minutes that they've played and what they can provide when they play their best football, I think those two make complete sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Sterling plays really well for England. Mm. Um, you expect him to do well with this World Cup. Mason Mount as well. And and yeah, I think Conor Gallagher maybe. Um, I feel sometimes Gareth Southgate, take, I mean, he took Conor Cody, I think, to the Euros and didn't use him, but he, he had a role to play in the background and, you know, took him for that experience of, you know, what it's like to play in a major international tournament and maybe Conor Gallagher, Conor Gallagher will be the same because I just don't know where he would fit in a Gareth Southgate mm. team you know if, if he goes five at the back the two midfield and maybe three up front you know in terms of Saka maybe Sterling and Harry Kane Jude Bellingham you'd expect in the midfield with maybe Clint Rice I, I just don't see where he fits in that in that that formation or that team but you know like you said adaptable you know you can play further afield you know, before the, you know, um, ahead of the double pivot or the two in midfield. So it might be just where Gareth sees him as an option, but... Um, but why, no, do you not pick, no. why do you not pick Loftus-Cheek in that case? That's what kind of surprises me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A player, no, a player was... that was in the last World Cup squad who's played almost every single game for Chelsea this season, who 
who's adaptable, a lot more versatile than Conor can Gallagher. Play right, can play right wing back now as well, you know. Yeah. In, injury to Trent, maybe. You know, you've got someone that can slot in there as well. I know, I know Trippier's gone, but, you know, another option as well. You're right. Mm. I think, well, my, my my red flag wasn't that, to be fair. My red flag was no Tomori. Mm. You know, I think, I can't believe he's not in this squad over, you know, Conor Cody. Again, no disrespect to him. Or um, Eric Dial. I mean, the two defenders who... I mean, Eric Dyer is Dyer, literally. You know, he's, he's one of the worst centre-backs. He's not even a centre-back. He, for me, still should be playing in midfield. But Connor Cody, Eric Dyer, I mean, Tomori's probably... And I mean, Southgate has admitted this. He doesn't go to uh, Serie A to watch games. He doesn't send it's a poor excuse. It's a poor excuse. Well, he said it about Tammy. He said uh, the, the press asked him yesterday about Tammy Abraham. Um, and I think Gareth Southgate basically said, you know, he's, he's been on a goal drought, bearing in mind he scored the night before the score. I saw that, out. yeah. Um, and... Yes, he's been on a, a drought, but it's not just all and end. I mean, he's yes, he should be scoring. That's what he's in the team to do. But he does a lot of hold. He holds up the ball really well. There's a lot of attributes that Tammy Abraham would bring to a World Cup squad, in my opinion. But I don't know what you think about Abraham Tamori not being in the squad. Uh, did it shock you? Was it not a shock? Abraham, not as much of a shock. Um, I think based, I think he's only scored two goals, two or three goals this season. Um, and maybe you rather someone like a Callum Wilson who can take penalties as well and who's a lot more informed than a Tammy Abraham. But like you said, the Tomori decision completely baffled me. Completely baffled me. Mm. But how player like how players like Maguire, Dyer, and and Cody are picked over a player like Tomori, it's shocking. And I've been, I think it's um it's Halfgate saying um, he hasn't seen enough from the young younger players, meaning, meaning Gwehi, Tamori and Tammy, I think, to deserve being called up ahead of the experienced players. What what can Tamori do more than win the Serie A and be be arguably Serie A's best defender? It's and and like a player that can play in a back two, he can play in a back four and a back three. It's I don't know, it's very surprising, but. Southgate seems to be able to build a good kind of dynamic and core around the players that he does pick. So let's just hope that that works out for him. Yeah, yeah. and you, you probably expect John Stones, maybe Harry Maguire, to be his, his, his definite two in the centre-back roles. If it's a back three, then you yeah, maybe look at Eric Dial, Connor Cody, I'm not sure. A um, couple of other players that are going from Chelsea. So Cesar Spiaqueta is also included in the Spain squads. Hakim Ziyech will be going as part of Morocco's World Cup squad, which is really interesting after his sort of fallout previously to that as well. Um, yeah, Denis Zakaria as well, Matteo Kovacic and Ethan Ampadu also representing Switzerland, Croatia and Wales. So there's a couple of, I mean, I, I think I read earlier on that there's a, a lot of players that aren't going. Um, Kepa, uh, Reese James, obviously Ben Chilwell. Kante. Injuries there. Injuries, yeah, all injuries there. Yeah. Won't be there, will he? I think it's Jorginho, no, 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 no qualification for Italy. I've got a smile on my face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say, say no more. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a couple of players that you know I'm sure will be over in Dubai anyway. I think that's where the, the, the training camp will be. I think, to, especially for those injured players as well. But um, I'm looking forward to the World Cup. I'm going to be honest. I, I, as I said earlier, I wasn't really looking forward to it, but. You know, I'm coming up to it now and I'm looking forward to that. So um, that'll be interesting. But let's quickly turn our attention before we get to the World Cup to, to tomorrow. Yep, tomorrow, half five. Big game, St. James's Park. I, I, don't, I feel like I say this every week, but this is a really, this is a real must-win game. Um, you know, we're creeping into the, I mean, we'll be holding up the bottom half of the table if we lose and results go against us at the weekend. So I, I feel this is a must-win 
um, end the first part of the season on a high before we go to the World Cup, come back. Hopefully, some players refresh more than others. But what's your thoughts on on Newcastle, uh, their form, Almiron? Looks really brilliant. But what's your thoughts on on Newcastle? They've had a brilliant start to the season. They've all those players that were called flops two, three years ago, the likes of Joel Linton, Almiron have been playing under their skin. And I think Almiron just won player of the month for um for October, I believe. So they've been fantastic. Eddie Howe, I think, without spending too much money, he's brought in some really smart players, the likes of Trippier, the likes of Dan Byrne, the likes of Nick Pope, um, Bruno Gimaraes, who's Fantastic player, and player. We've been linked, yeah, and we've been linked with a few times um, since he signed for Newcastle. Um, I'm not confident at all for tomorrow. I'm not confident. I feel like we haven't seen enough from Chelsea against Brighton, Arsenal, and um, City in midweek to make me think that we can go to St James's Park and get three points. I don't think we will. And especially seeing how well Newcastle have been playing, it's, it's going to be it's asking a, for a lot from us. Um, my, the company I currently work for, their main office is in Newcastle, so I work with a lot of Geordies. <laughs> so it feels like it feels like bragging. Yeah, it feels like bragging rights part two. Um, but um, yeah. I'm not confident. I feel like I think a bit of experimentation is needed in the squad as well. If I'm going to be honest, I'd play Lewis Hall. He's full of confidence at the moment. I think Cucurella, I could see him in your predicted or maybe I don't know if it's a makeshift lineup, but I, he needs to be nowhere near the lineup at the moment, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I think the last thing we can hope for is just to end this kind of first part of the season before the World Cup will win and yep. be able to kind of enjoy the World Cup knowing we've just secured three points and then we've got games against Forest and Bournemouth, which for me on paper should be six points. Yeah, it should. I mean, <laughs> it's a big... You know, it should. You're right, it should. But I just think at the moment, you know, nothing is, is guaranteed no. for Chelsea and, and it's really difficult to um, to try and pr- predict how Potter might even set up a, a squad or what the team might look like. I just, yeah, I just think... I agree. I want to try and quickly do this before we wrap up. So anyone listening on audio, you're, we're trying to predict the lineup for for Saturday. But I do agree with you about Lewis Hall. I don't know if I'd start him. I don't know. I think it'd be a totally different... Um, I bring him on 100%. I bring him on for Kukurea, but I just, is it is it too much to ask for him to start a game St. James's Park away? Um, I'm assuming it would be his Premier League debut. It, it's a big yeah. game. Um, so I'm, I'm not 100% I would start him, but it's, um, let's put him in. Come on, I mean, let's put him in. I'm going to, I'm going to go with you on this one. Assuming, well, assuming we're playing, oh, assuming we're playing a, well, let me change. Oh, Lewis Hall doesn't wear number 44, but he's going to have to wear 44. I think he wears 67. But um, So we're going to put Hall. Are we paying four? Three, three at the back? Whatever Potter's been he's going to do. He's going to, he's going to do the, the usual, isn't he? I think he'll do three centre-backs, yeah. I think. Because then he can accommodate Chalabar in there as well. Uh, I honestly don't think Aspilicueta should start this game. Lost his cheek at right wing back then? I, I'd have Loftus cheek at right wing back. Um, another, another thing, Chalaba. Since we last recorded, he's lost his unbeaten record as well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I jinxed the whole Chelsea team. I think <laughs> just by calling it unbeaten. Potter, I'll never do that again. But I think that'd be the back. I think that'd be the defense. I think you got Mendy in goal. You'd have Ruben Loftus cheek playing right wing back. Um, seems like he's adapted to that role really well. Chalaba, Silva, and Kulabali. I think will be the. Three in the back, and 
question mark over Lewis Hall, but it'll be a massive call from Graham Paul if he does start him because I think that that will show the intent that he's you know he's, he's broken that door down to make him, himself a, um, you know in contention for the senior squad. So I'd have to agree with you there that he might start uh, tomorrow. But what would you go for in midfield? I've got Denis Sakaraya and Mateo Kovacic at the moment. Yeah, I think Jorginho is nursing a slight injury and he's, I'm not sure if he's been confirmed for tomorrow or if he's still a doubt. Um, but if he is a doubt, then I think it most likely be Kovacic and Zakaria Hatta in, in midfield, especially seeing if um, Loftus-Cheek's right wing back. So I'm happy to stick with those two. And I think Zakaria again, had a decent game against City, nothing special, but he can kind of be relatively proud of himself. And a player that I think amongst Kovacic, Jorginho, and the other midfielders we've got, I think is probably the most likely one to actually get himself in a position to score like we saw against Dinamo Zagreb as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'll go with that too. I think, you know, um, it does give us some options, I think, off the bench as well. If Jorginho isn't fully fit to start the game, but he's on the bench, you can always bring him on as well. Um, assuming Carney Chukomeka might be back, I know he's missed the last two or three games so um, due to an injury, but I'm sure Graham Potter will confirm who is and isn't available for the game at half one today. But what about the front three? Um, I mean, I didn't put it like this, but I, I, I don't know whether I would have a Bamiang maybe partnering Sterling up front like this and maybe have Mason Mount sitting just behind, um, almost, you know, in between. I'm not sure. I, I don't even know if I play Sterling. <laughs> no. And I'm, you might have a Mount or a Sterling that will tell Potter, I don't want to play this game. I don't want to risk an injury, potentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah it could be an option. Yeah. So maybe Potter might be forced to look at a Broja or a, uh, shit, all the others are going to the World Cup, aren't they? The likes yeah, of Pulisic, say, the likes of Havertz. Yeah, yeah all, I think all, all that sort of forward attacking roles, I think pretty much all of them, Hakim Ziyech will be, yeah, will be going. Um, I think mm. that'll be subs. I think, you know, um, I noticed on um, Wednesday, a lot of the players, obviously, that are, are going to be involved in the World Cup came off after, you know, 60, 70 minutes of the game. So I think it'd be more the same. You know, there'll be there'll be a lot of changes, especially um, to the likes of, you know, Thiago Silva. He's not going to want to miss this, potentially his last World Cup. So, you know, he, he probably may not. Have, this is why I'm sort of thinking, does he actually rest Thiago Silva and just not play him? Can he, can he afford to do that in a game that I've just called a must-win game? I don't know. I think that's... I love Chelsea, I love England, but I want to be selfish and I want to play our, our best team. I, want, I, I love Silver, so I want to see him do well at the World Cup, but I also, we can't risk kind of not playing our best 11 in this type of game at St. James's Park. But then I look at Mount, Bamiyang and Sterling, and I think, is that our best front three right now? What is our best front three? Because yeah, they clearly, they can't really get on the score sheet, the three of them. Um, I don't think Bamiyang scored since Milan away, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Mount's only got the two goals to his name against um, Aston Villa and Sterling. Yeah, he scores occasionally in the Champions League, the like against Salzburg or Zagreb. But in the league, I don't think he scores since Leicester or Southampton mm. in back in August. Yep. So it's like I don't know. And then the other options we have can't really score either. Like Pulisic, Ziyech, Broja is still kind of adapting. I think maybe we'll have to stick with those three. But I mean, what what else to say no to that? I mean. Why not just play yeah. Broja and Aubameyang with Mount? I mean, yeah. I don't think we've, I don't think they partnered each other at all in any game, and maybe that's the problem. The fact that we, we've got two, you know, want to call them number nines. We've got two, 
you play one, why not just play two with Mason Mount sitting behind him? Hmm. You know, Both tall players it, as well that can like yeah, do the defensive I mean, work on corners. You're going to need a lot of, you know, I mean, Newcastle's a physical team. They've got some, as you just said, some really tall players, you know, Dan Byrne uh, in that in that squad as well. So I think you're going to need that physicality in both departments, defence and attack as well. So I, I'm not I'm not opposed to that. I think I, I like that. Yeah. I'd like to start with Brojo. Um, Sterling, I just, I, I looked at him on Wednesday and I just thought, you take 25 touches before you've even decided what you're doing. So this is not a game to, and like you said, you know, injuries. And he, it's a good sub to come off the bench with as well. I think it's a really good option to come off the bench. Um, it's not a good, it's just a, an, it's an, an option. It's not a good option, just an option. <laughs> which I'm not going to over-hype him. But um, I'm not against that at all. I think that's a, if that's the squad, I would not be annoyed at that. I think it, it's a good squad. If you're right, and and saying that they've never played together this season, which I don't think they have. I think you are right. And I remember Bamiyang kind of complimenting a lot Brojo in his pre-match interview before, um, I think it was the Arsenal game, saying how he's a great player and he's very confident in training. I think it could be quite an exciting partnership to watch on Saturday. Um, so yeah, I'm all for that front three of Mount Bamiyang and Brojo. And here's where we find out Brojo's picked up a knock at half one in the press conference. He's not actually in the squad for tomorrow, but hopefully not, because obviously I would, ruin his World Cup opportunity but I think that's a really good squad um, I'm happy with that I think that's what we should go with um, before we wrap as we always do I'm going to let you go first what is your score prediction for tomorrow half five kickoff as well late kickoff evening kickoff I'm pessimistic and I think I'm going to expect the worst and hope for the best so I'm going to go 2-1 Newcastle Oh, okay. I, I, I think I think it'd be one one. I don't think we'll win. I think it'll be a really difficult game for us as well. And I think they'll have Newcastle have that many chances. We'll be lucky to come away with a point. I think defensively, um, and again, why I probably wouldn't start Lewis Hall, but defensively, I think we'll be we'll be on the ropes a lot of that game. And Newcastle in form, they'll be up for this game hundred percent at home as well. Last game before the World Cup points to be proved by by a lot of these players who will be going to represent their countries you know some of the South American teams as well so um, yeah I think I'm going to go 1-1 sit on the fence slightly but either way this is a massive game for us must win in my opinion must win but we're both saying we're going to drop points I love it so yeah I'm sitting on the fence I'm sitting on the fence today Uh, it's it's, it's comfy but um, yeah I mean either way you know I'm sure we'll we'll do some episodes throughout the World Cup uh, maybe review some of the games as well so if there's any anything anyone wants us to discuss or if anyone wants to jump on as well I think we should get people more involved in the podcast as well so if you're a Chelsea fan or you're just a, a football fan um, following some of the teams in the World Cup let us know drop us a, an email or a DM and let us know as well um, Theo as always thank you very much for joining me it's been a pleasure episode 73 nearly at the 100 mark a couple, couple more episodes to go um as i said earlier hit the link tree link in the description it'll take you to all the social accounts podcast episodes as well don't forget to subscribe hit the link in the uh, the like button as well and comments as well let us know your thoughts for the lineup for tomorrow thank you very much for watching we'll be back very soon until next time thank you very much stay safe all of that stuff